Howdy there, folks. Text the Black Pants Legion here, and wow. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Fiora. Welcome to the Black Pants Legion podcast. I'm not cutting that. (laughs) No, root beer was a good choice. I mean, we're all just sitting here cozy. Our guest tonight is Fiora the Tank Girl, a content creator, a writer, a shit poster, and someone who has done a lot of amazing work in their community. And we want to make sure that we're talking with content creators, much like us, who end up sitting there and trolling through uh, fan creation and having success with it and what that really means. Because we, Tech Stocks Battletech, are obviously a fan created thing that is you know, out there trying to put the good word of Battletech out there and do good work in the community. Fiora is from an interesting crossover that I would dare say is probably not something that should exist, but is certainly tantamount to the majesty of existence by willpower alone. It is something that I am impressed with. It's longer than what? War and Peace? How many books have you written? Uh, I've written three and i'm working on a different series and i have to come back and finish this one so you've got and three books and they're all the door shortest, stoppers they're all the door shor- stoppers you put the them shortest, on camera the, the shortest one here is uh hang on the shortest one here is five yeah 502 pages full yeah, size full it's size not a pocket book. yeah not pocket books full size novels and so just to let people know your crossover is this insane world where my little pony meets fallout fallout equestria fallout equestria which is a book series that is longer than war and peace it's an rpg system which unlike fallout 76 is functional and along the way we're going to tell some very interesting stories but the first question first fiora thank you for joining us but how in the fuck how in the fuck did you get started with this with this like in any sane world like Mike Goat, like in any sane world, would oh. you ever say, would you ever say, and I'm sorry for not introducing you guys, no, the, you're burp, the burp sold it and I just had to go with the <laughs> you, energy. You went with it. It's you fine. know what I mean? It's Hi just there. going with it. Hi. Hello. But I, I just have to ask, in this world where everything is crazy, where everything is defined every five minutes, how did My Little Pony, a IP that has been held by multiple companies, I think Mattel originally yeah now Hasbro. yeah and now hasbro um how how did that end up meeting fallout and how does thermonuclear warfare and ponies become something that grows into this like i'm curious because again <laughs> well what i'm saying is it's amazing that you can say something like that because imagine if somebody revisited any other ip like this like gi joe or He-Man, or anything from that era, the 80s era, and said, you know what, I'm going to take He-Man, and I'm going to add it into Twilight 2000. That's insane, but this is real. So I so, want to so, ask how so, that, yeah, go ahead. This starts with the person who may follow the question of K-Cat, and she doesn't, she won't do an interview, she won't go on shows or another, she didn't want to be famous. Right. She wrote a fan fiction under the idea that, what if the, po- because it was the, time when the Bernie documentary just come out. That was the had, one with John DeLancey from That was the one with Star- John DeLancey. Yeah. I saw that documentary because uh, it was recommended as a good documentary on a fandom and I, I, I tuned in for that because I'm always fascinated by things on the fringe. And what KCAT did was said, okay, well, they, they told us it's a two-year hiatus for the next season. 
Right. So all she had was the first two two seasons to work with. So she went off on a tangent one night and then started making this little game where she took Fallout and ponies and you could sit down and play it at the little My Little Pony Conventions. And then she posted it on fanfiction.net. This was in 2012. Okay, so a much earlier era of the internet. And for YouTube years, this is when people like Darkside Phil were relevant and a lot of front... <laughs> I'm not being mean. No, I'm, I know. I'm just it's saying just... that this was that era. Go ahead. And she was laughed off of fanfiction.net, and it went over to femfiction.net, which is the My Little Pony-specific fan fiction website. So so there is a My Little Pony specific fan website. They said, get off fanfiction.net. We have our cross fiction with, you know, like <laughs> Gay Spock and Kirk. We have our cross yep. fiction with yep. Gay Spock and Kirk, but My Little Pony's too far. We have our cross fiction where we have all these self inserts into Star Trek and all of this other My stuff. Immortal. But, but yeah, My Immortal My stuff. Exactly. Exactly. My Immortal is fine, but My Little Pony is not. Continue. And what she did um, was she took um, all of the bad tropes from everything that she'd seen and said, okay, how do I not do all of this and how do I still write a good story? So she right. wrote a story based on the hero's journey with the focus on writing an independent good story with her own characters. And it became the most popular thing on femfiction.net. And the next two years, it became the most popular thing back on fanfiction.net. So, so they said, get the fuck out. My immortal is the standard of literature, but then they go elsewhere and then do really well and then come back around in a boomerang. Yep. All right. Um, and so it's still one of the, it's still the highest upvoted story on femfiction.net after a decade. Holy and, shit. Uh, it holds up incredibly well. Uh, there are numerous people who've set out to do audiobooks, but the, but the thing that makes it fun was KCAT said, okay, here's the universe. And then someone else said, well, I'm going to write a follow-up Equestria with Blackjack and Hookers. Okay. So, so not only was there one, but there were two. And KCAT's response is legend. Her response to Equestria Daily verbatim, I'm reading it right now. I don't care. I made the sandbox. I gave you the world. Go expand it and do whatever. I will not canonize anything, and I will not say anything is off limits. Have fun. See, and that's the magic rule. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, in 2016, I was uh, finishing out of World of Tanks Professional League. I played World of Tanks Gold Season twice, Silver Season three times, and Bronze Season once. So I was a professional gamer. And it was the week of, every year I set a week on my phone where it goes off and says, any reasonable request this week, you say yes to. You never know what you're going to get into or what's going to happen. That's healthy. I like that. Well, a former teammate of mine came to me without telling me what was really going on and knew that in undergrad, the last two years of undergrad, I was at University of Delaware in the acting troupe as a professional stage actor to pay my tuition and said, hey, you've been a professional actor. We need someone to play our convention mascot villain, and we'll pay for everything. Okay. All right. Yeah, that sounds like an interesting gig. They sent me the human version of this character, the Dramatica Personas, which tells you how the character is supposed to be, and all of the character's lines. And I read it all, and I said, this is just, Ju this is just Juliet's mom from Romeo and Juliet with power. <laughs> fair. That's fair. So I went to the convention, 
the day before I was supposed to get on the flight, they brought all the actors in to meet the executive staff. And they looked at and they the fir- the question they asked me was, "So, what's your favorite episode of the show? What show? My Little Pony. What the hell's that? Deadpan silence. No more questions." So, 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 wait. So, so you're like, "What the fuck is this shit?" You know, and and you're you're just trying to figure out like what you got yourself into. And I had I, I had been spending two months memorizing all my lines, making sure the character was ready, doing yeah. improvised uh, training with my voice coach to make sure I yeah. can improvise stuff because we're expected not only to do the stage play but to walk around the convention and be the character as well, as, of course, as the like a, a living performance, a living a living a living interactive performance. I go, I do so well. That the four channers on Saturday morning are outside with signs they made at a drunk party the night before, protesting that Queen Quake did nothing wrong. That's great. <laughs> I see. And here's the thing: is it's like you you're you're told this thing works. You're told be this character. You have no idea what in the cinnamon toast fuck it is, and now you're seeing a response to it. So, what was your original reaction to that? Uh, all right, maybe I need to look at what this show is because these guys are out here protesting this and telling me I need to exterminate Stingrays in the name of Steve Irwin. Like, this is a giant shit post and I want it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the, again, like Mike and I were talking about the magic of that with Text Talks Battletech is you've been in the Battletech fandom a while. You absolutely know the setting quite well, even though you have protested. Like, I'm not the most Battletech person, but... It's one of those things where Steiner's Scout Squad was like a dead old text meme. And then yeah. we were like, what if we gave what if we got real Germans to do it? Like, what if we brought it back and then we made it like a cartoon where and then we eventually had a cartoon made. And so living that meme, getting in on the shit post and helping carry that baton, regardless of the baton, is an incredible thing to do because you realized this was a meme 20 years ago. This was a meme 30 years ago. The people who started this meme have kids. Their kids might have kids. They've got gray hair now. And as they're sitting eating their you know oatmeal in the old folks home, they're like, I remember when memes were text based and we're sitting there making the next level of it. And we know we don't own it. Obviously we don't own any of this. We, we don't own the IP. We're just glad to play our part. So, um, a friend of mine from there a year and a half later, we're at a different convention and, and he's the only person at the con I know. And so I spend time with him. His name is moon or we call him moon moon for reasons, um, <laughs> But he ends up, he's ended up in this thing where he's taking all of the stuff KCAT did and making a coherent tabletop game out of it and publishing it. So he gets me involved and I say, okay, well, we'll stream it. And, you know, it might last like a month and a half. Spoiler warning, we're still doing it six years later. So, so what you're saying is occasionally you can get roped into shit on the internet. You can get roped into shit on the internet and it just, it it goes. it goes. You got you got dragged into that fandom. And then, well, yeah. I mean, and, and that, in, that happens. And, and then in December of that year, we're doing the stream, and people are like, "Hey, you're writing fan fiction stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, you should write this." And so my chat is literally rebelling against me to make me have to sit down and write Fallout Equestria stuff. And I say, "Fine, I'll write it. Thousand dollars tonight." All right. And what was the bet? I mean, a thousand dollars tonight. And I will write the entirety of everything we are doing at the tabletop into a novelization. 
All right. So you said, all right, if there's a fucking demand for it, you said, if there is a demand for it, go ahead, pay that bill and I'll fucking do the work. And a thousand bucks to crack a novel is not a lot it's of It's not money. even beginning to pay yeah, the expenses. I know. It, but, but, but what you're but saying is- But I didn't is, think yeah. anybody would do it. Right. Well, of course. You. It's yeah, like anything. Yeah, but this anything. is the MLP fandom we're talking about. That's what and, I was going to say. And, it's not even in the top and, 10 craziest and, shit they've done that I've heard of. Within two minutes- a dude from Czechoslovakia threw twenty eight hundred dollars on the stream. Wow! So and he so, said the extra eighteen hundred is for the alcohol you're going to need. Okay, so so <laughs> so this person was like, "Look, if you're going off the cursed cliff with no taillight showing, foot to the floor." <laughs> You're going to need some friends and some pocket money. And they just said that. And they're like, anyways, here's some pocket money for your decision. And I'm going to encourage it. Bon voyage. And that's how I got stuck writing this for the last five years. And then somebody and then I finally went, OK, I can't make any money off of this because of well, yeah. KCAT's, rule, KCAT's rules that she has. Not Hasbro or or Bethesda. That's an entirely different story. Oh, we'll get to Bethesda. That's part of the story. But continue. But, but KCAT's rules are: you can write whatever you want, but you are not allowed to make money. And that's fair. Any money I make either has to go back into the project, or at the end of year has to be donated to charity. And per my expectation, because she doesn't expect me to do this, but this is my expectation. I send her every year when I do my taxes. Here's all the money I made from FOE. Here's where all of it went. Here's any of it that's left over. What do you want me to do with it? Right. So you you are not only honoring the previous holder, but you're also showing, hey, I'm ethically accountable. But yeah, so it's like somebody comes up and buys a $45 hard copy for me, and I'm like, cool, that pays my artist, my editor, and not me. I know that feel. I know that feel. Um, when you create any sort of production... It was, I paid Mike and the guys and everything. I paid everyone else for about 11 and a half years to the point where it started to become really, really, really financially difficult to the point where my accountant and everyone was screaming and I just took money from the day job and funneled it into it. And eventually, you know, Mike and the guys had to, had to tell me like, boss, you got to pay yourself at least enough to pay those taxes. And it's one of those things where it takes everyone twisting your arm to make you take care of yourself. But I know how that is. And I think that's very common in honest business that you build with your own hands is, you know, you have to be a good business person. You have to treat people well. You have to treat people with respect. You have to be a man of your word. You have to go through and do what you say. And you have to honor the people who came before you. So I, I really do think you did the right thing there. So walk me through now for those of you who are still trying to figure out the mental math of all this, a person on the internet who plays world of tanks discusses a thing with somebody and finds out the secret realm and world through acting and then is informed that they should write a book and through a mysterious stranger, perhaps I might say to use the correct, the correct phrase. You find yourself suddenly knee deep in the world of My Little Pony fandom. What happened next? I said, okay, I'm going to publish a novel of this. We're going to do it 100% above board, and we're going to publish it like I want. So my novels have 
full-color pictures in them, drawn by professional artists. My novels have... You like little stupid things like the pages where like you flip a page and it's blank on both sides. That page isn't numbered; it's not counted. So when I said five hundred and two pages, that doesn't count the fifty blanks. Yeah, you don't you don't count your fly pages, and that's nice because there are many times where I've bought a nice new novel and found out fly pages make up a quarter of it. And I said it's going to be in the Library of Congress, fully copywritten. That sounds insane and awesome. That sounds dangerous. Well, you know, I, I'm one of those things where I was told by somebody uh, long ago that I would never make a movie. I was told by, by, by someone who was a movie expert that I would never make a movie because I had ideas. They said I could never make a movie. But then they made a fucking mistake. They said 40K is deeper than Battletech. And I said, we shall see. Now, here's the thing that's kind of funny. A decade later, I'm making documentaries on Battletech that are as in-depth as any other documentary on TV, if not in many cases more so with more care. And I go, we shall see. Because those moments start with doubt, but usually not your own, someone else's. And that spite is quite useful in terms of saying, I know what I'm made of. So, uh, go ahead. And if somebody wants to go to the Library of Congress... Tango X-ray uniform zero zero two one six six two eight eight. So regardless of what you may think of uh, my little pony Fallout Equestria, it has a Library of Congress call number. And if you would like to write your own novel, you can. And it's one of those things where I'm like, you go from acting in something to all of a sudden, all of a sudden writing a novel that is in the Library of Congress. So that's not even the craziest part of this story. Now, there was this guy, we, we're probably going to have to get around to this, so I figure we should probably just say his name right now. This, I suppose, is part of the story where we have to mention a Mr. Todd Howard. It's all right. It's all right, because everyone out there, everyone out there just made the sign of the cross in the air. <laughs> Or grab for some <laughs> pearls, you know, or their meditation, you know, their meditation beads. And they're or, like, oh, no, where does this or go? For some of the less mentally stable, they just shot the wall. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where they, they hear that name and much like Peter Molyneux and the years of yore, it provokes a most negative response. So how does this tie in? <laughs> This is the thing we had to do to get a call number in the Library of Congress as a writing a parody using multiple properties. You have to inform the property holders you're doing this and they can choose to send you a cease and desist. And if you ignore it, they have to sue you. Right. So we did that. They did that. We did that. They sued us. All right, so you get sued by who? By who? Let's, I get sued let's get by to Hasbro. That. Hasbro. And Bethesda, and Bethesda dropped the ball utterly. Okay, now let's get to that. Because what we had done beforehand, I had gone to uh, a lawyer I have. Uh, my mother passed away from his law department, but as a part of her dying, she set up a trust with him that I would have a lawyer on retainer for life. Reasonable. What a wonderful gift. Um, so, so Mr. Joseph, who's only got the bar in Alabama, Florida, and Georgia, not any useful to me, but he has connections elsewhere, references me to Mr. Barnes. 
in the state of Virginia, who then, months before we did all of this, starts greasing the wheels. And I introduce you now to the judge I talked about, who was appointed by George H. Sr., the federal district judge, Robert E. Payne. Honorable Robert E. Payne. Judge Payne. Judge Payne. And I have sent a his mugshot that he has on his website because this man does not smile. He's, he, I, I've sent it to Mike. He, he, th- this is his shot he sends the press. All right, let's take a look. Let's take a look at this guy. I just imagine what what the hell crossed this guy's mind when he read the context. Because this this sounds like I, if he was appointed in the late '80s, early '90s, then he must be like, "Wow, oh my lord, wow, that is a very very serious looking person." That's how he looked in '91. He has not taken an updated picture. He looks uh, older and angrier. <laughs> So what you're telling me is this man who does not look happy has for the last 30 years progressively become less happy looking. And on top of that, he's a senior judge, which means he only he only has to do 25% of the caseload for the year to stay in his position. Ah, interesting. So we only have one of 12 cases that he's going to see all year. Okay. And the way we convinced him of this was... He has a soft spot for fair use and parody, and he has ruled numerous times in its favor. Despite being like the most serious, very serious looking person. I'm sentencing you to life without parole looking motherfucker. He's from the the Vietnam era, and he didn't serve, but he was in the Philippines, and he knows what a Tijuana Bible is. So he's one of those people who is like shitposting is important. Yes. Okay, so despite looking very serious, deep down he's a shitlord, allegedly. So, so we get in there, and what this case is going to have happen is he's the judge. He's the one who decides everything at the end. But both parties are going to be cross-examined by three copyright lawyers who I am paying out of my pocket to ask me difficult questions and try to undermine me, as well as, as, well as the people who are representing Hasbro and Bethesda. Wow, that sounds fun. Um, so, and and the sh- and the shittiest part about court, you can't talk about what's going on at all. So everyone knew that I had the money to publish the books and a lot of change, and I wasn't doing it for five months. Always a fun thing. All I could say was I'm in litigation. I couldn't Which, even specify yeah. that I was in the Eastern District, Virginia Federal Court of Richmond. Right. You, you don't want to bring attention to. Hey, by the way, here's where I'm having a party. <laughs> Yeah, and this cost me seven grand after reimbursements. That sounds wonderful. So, to walk us through how this went. Well, the first thing we told him was: so to fully understand the parody set before you, you have to watch the first two seasons of My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic, and play <laughs> through the video game Fallout wait, Four. Wait, wait, wait! So you're telling me that the federal judge was like had to sit down and watch two seasons of My Little Pony? Friendship is magic. No, no. Are you telling his, me? His are response you... during the initial deposition for evidence gathering was priceless. All right, please. So we told him, you have to watch the first two seasons of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and play through the entire uh, main story of Fallout 4 to wow. understand this parody. He oh. leans forward and goes, come again? <laughs> so... 
So I can imagine, I can imagine this judge sitting there in his chambers watching My Little Pony Friendship is Magic on like a wheeled in TV. I can imagine like the interns come in and they're like, your honor. And they, they put in the, in my brain, it's a VHS. In court, it's always a VHS. You know, I imagine them putting the VHS in because we're both from that era where the teacher has the give a fuck cart and they bring it in and they're like, well, you know, the aristocrats is kind of about natural science. So we're going to put that on. And I, I remember. Yeah. So the guy comes in and they're like, you got to watch my little pony and play Fallout 4. Now, I'm going to tell you this much. Having played Fallout 4, passed. <laughs> I'd so, watch the My Little Pony. <laughs> so what? So what? So what? I found out later was uh, he actually became a fan of the My Little Pony show. No, and went are to you, a Brony con. Are you telling no. me that you converted <laughs> a, a federal judge who was a Vietnam era, a Vietnam era vet, federal yes. judge, to MLP? He wasn't a Vietnam vet, but he was well, yeah, but Vietnam yes, era. Yeah, yes, Vietnam era. Yes. Just oh my god. It's all right. So so as far as shit posting credentials, you've Holy just earned a fuck, PhD. I kneel. You've earned a PhD in shit posting. Um so, yeah, continue. So we're in court for four months, twice a week, for anywhere from ten minutes to three hours. My stream schedule was all over the place because I might have to get to court at three o'clock and not come home till six. And I still have to stream. Yeah. Make money. Yeah. Um, and remember, this is in Richmond and I live in Newport News. It's a two hour drive one way. Yeah. And Newport News is a shit drive. Um, so I'm doing this over and over again for five months. My roommate who's living with me is absolutely livid because she's a light sleeper and I'm coming home. Sometimes at 10 o'clock at night, and she has to be up at five. That's, that's, oh, wow. So you're, you're doing the bad, like, roommate thing where you, like, trudge in and you're like, I've been fighting the man in my little pony land. I'll win one of these days. And you're like having someone have a spit cup and dabbing your head. Is so, so, so during the fifth month, right? We're sitting there, and the judge looks over at me and goes, Miss Miller, I don't mean to be offensive. But for the past four months, I have seen you in the same two dresses like clockwork. Do do you have something else to wear by chance? And I think about it and I go, I got a lab coat. He just narrows his eyes. I'll allow it on the grounds nice. I don't think you have a lab coat. <laughs> so, so, so you then go get your lab coat from your character at the con. And then come in as 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 you do. With the this thing is covered in shit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it looks like someone took and a bunch of memes and loaded it with a twelve gauge and shot you in the front with it. And then the back looks like all the wonderful autographs from where everyone had a good time. It's it's a wild thing. Also, nice nice dark heresy book collection. I walk in with this, wearing it. Sit down. Look up. The man smiles. I think that's when he realized, yeah, there's no way this isn't a parody. Yeah. The judge, my lawyer looks horrified. Well, that's their job professionally. And it, he leans over and he goes, that man does not smile. I have never seen him smile. I've been golfing with him and he's had a perfect game and not smiled. Is that good or bad? I don't fucking know. <laughs> so, so you scared your lawyer and made a judge smile and all right. So this entire time, by the way, Fallout 76 is on fire. Right. Uh, yes. 
Oh yeah, so, this is one of those, like the canvas bags and shit. Oh yeah, scandal. yeah. All the all yeah. the scams, the canvas and bags, the 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 T fifty four helmet that mold that that made black mold kill two people. It's it's like it's like they. They, it was a shit show of a launch. It was a bunch of products. Like I remember where they had the. I almost tried to buy the the new Coca Cola rum thing, and they were like, "Oh, isn't this good?" And it's just like these two plastic. Things. It's yeah, a three D printed plastic shell, and it would have been cheaper just to make the glass bottle. Well, and that's the thing is, yeah, cheaper to actually make the bottle. And the other thing that blew my mind is they didn't even get good rum. And the problem is good rum is cheap. So I'm going, that's insulting. They don't even know what rum is. Uh, but so Bethesda didn't send anybody despite being sent a court notice every week. Well, they were a little bit busy with trying to figure out how to explain to people the thing they ordered, and the thing they received were two completely different things. And in between Todd Howard told a bunch of stories. It and, just works. It just and, works. I had to say the, re- it. the reason why they thought Hasbro would win and I would just be done right the day before the judge ruled i was called so i was going to court on tuesday and friday i was called up to court on wednesday okay we sit down in a conference room across from hasbro's reps and they go all right what do you want because we've lost and we can't afford for the judge to rule oh hell yes and i go here's the deal you can't touch any fandom property so long as it does not directly violate your copyright with you having an identical item for 10 years. And I can publish my books, and I will agree to never, ever speak of the exact wording, language, or anything in this document. All right. Stamps done. They're out. Sweet. So and- tell me, tell everyone, tell everyone, not only for the victory lap on this, for fair use... A victory lap for fair use, a victory lap for fan creation. But tell me, tell the fans out there how you teabag Todd Howard. <laughs> that is the so, best. So, so when you get your shipment of books after everything is said and you are ready to sell your books, right? The first copy, the very first copy by law, is not yours. It's the Library of Congress. You have to send it to them, or you lose your copyright. The second copy is traditionally the author copy. And the third copy is traditionally give it to the person you want to give it to the most. I I think I know where this is going. Right. I took that. I put a post-it note on it and wrote on the post-it note, I made a better Fallout 4 with ponies. Sincerely, FTTG. Beautiful. I vacuum sealed it, put it into the post, and then I called my friend at Obsidian who I'm not going to name, but he is very high in their PR department. And he told me the address of Todd Howard's desk. Excellent. So it would arrive on his desk as a package. As he came into work. As he came into work. So I did that. Two weeks later, I got a cease and desist, never contact Todd Howard ever again, or we will sue you if you speak to this Never man. talk to me or my son ever again. yes! <laughs> and then the most priceless part of this is with that cease and desist letter on the same day in the mail, I got this. 
Uh, this is an original copy. Fallout 2 signed by Tim Kane, I see. Signed by the entire development staff with a letter from Ron Perlman. Holy shit. That is amazing. As, As a birthday present. That's amazing. So so everyone was like, hey, remember remember when you dunked on Todd Howard? Thank you. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. That is amazing. And ever since then, for some reason, if I want a key to a game Obsidian has made, like Tyranny or, 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 or Pillars of Eternity or Grounded, I'm just like, hey, can I have the thing? Here you go. Thank you. And for some reason. Yeah, for some reason, <laughs> Obsidian seems to really like you. Oh, I've got like, I've got like three, I get an invitation every year in January. It's like, hey, do you want to come tour the office? And every time I'm like, I can't afford to go to Northern California right now, but please extend this next year in case I can. Oh God. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I, I just think that there's so many legends like this in the trenches of the internet, especially in the modern era where people are out there just creating shit. They're creating shit. They're creating shit. I've had people tell me my court case was fake. Oh, that's I've fun. I've had people tell me that I'm a liar and I'm every other stuff. And then I, the, 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 the best way I can defeat them is to open the book and point and go look that up right now on the Library of Congress website. And they punch in the, the ID number and they're like, holy shit. Exactly. And I'm like, Hasbro is fully aware and so is Bethesda. By the way, here's a picture of my cease and desist letter. <laughs> and that's the thing is we live in an era where you can sit there and say, I did X or Y. And a lot of people go bullshit. But it's because I think we live in a very cynical age where people just are very easy to dismiss, you know, crazy stuff. Well, or, and also because of all the clickbait shit. Oh, it, God. If you phrase it right, you know, it sounds like a clickbait. You know, I... Todd Howard threatened to sue me after I went to court over my fan fiction. Right. And, and got and sexual. Yeah. Like it's, that sounds like all the clickbait out there, but it's fucking hilarious. And so I'm sitting there wondering where like, you have this, my little pony thing you've done. You have written more novels than I probably ever will. You've done all of this amazing work for the fandom, basically on a fucking bet. Like, Hey, put your money with your mouth is and I'll write this fucking book. And they did it. And now it's years later. What is next? Like, what is the next step? Because you've, you've beat Todd Howard in court where hundreds of 4chaners and Reddit people have sat there and wrote these huge things about, oh, Todd Howard's a bad, I don't like blah. You literally shit posted this person <laughs> off of your radar. And I'm going, that's amazing. What's next? So um, I'm working on, a new, on on what is now a fully independent series I can make money off of. I have full permission from the original creator of the universe, which is uh, Messi, who is uh, who made a tabletop system for furries in space called HCSVNT Draconis. All right. I'm working on a book, um, and then I got uh, George Ledoux to do a voiceover for it. I just I just sent the voiceover part to Mike, um, and I got a friend of mine to do some animation for it, to do like a trailer, because I'm running the tabletop game on Sundays, but basically, I'm writing a sci-fi series about what happens when humanity's gone, what the things we created live on past us, what happens with them. All right. So so what you're saying is it's kind of like a humans are gone setting. And there's been a few of those where I believe it's like robots are the last living. And so I think you had spoken to me about this where you said that 
it's it's not that robots are the last living, but these genetically engineered creatures, essentially furries, and and you can have your adventures with that. And while if anyone out there is like, oh, a furry game, I'm like, have you ever heard of Iron Claw? That shit's been around for a while. It's There's actually a- pretty good. <laughs> Like mechanically, it's, it's, mechanically, it's, it's, it is. It's like it's like oh, a furry game. And I look at you and I, and I look at them and I go, "Have you heard of Critter Tech?" Exactly. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like if someone this shows the age of the internet where someone goes, "I'm a furry into these other things," and I'm like, "Boring." Hit me with something that's shocking. It's it's one of those things where I've met people in various places and work that are furries, and you're like, "Wow!" And this job, amazing. And you're you're you, you go, "Wow, that's interesting." But it's not even shocking anymore because there's this is an age of jadedness. I think where a lot of people are not really surprised by much. But yeah, I, I want to write a novel series that's mine, that's completely mine, that's like post-human stuff, but also stuff like how do you deal with the corporation becoming the government? How do you deal with having actual freedom? What happens when we run into something in space that defies our laws of reality? Altogether? Big scary universe, yeah. Big scary universe, yeah. No, I I dig big scary universe. I'm a huge fan of cassette futurism. I, I, I love Big Scary Universe. I love humanity just sticking its foot in the deep end and going, uh-oh. I mean, yeah, that's that, that's what I'm doing now. Um, we, I think, no, the cover art's not. Well, it's ready, but it's not. Um, but yeah, it's Big Scary Universe. It's, it's fun times. But And the reason I'm doing that is because I want a novel series I can make money off of because I've written this Fallout Equestria stuff. I've sold 2,000 copies of the first book, and I haven't been able to make a dime. Yeah, and I mean, being able to write an ocean of work and and realizing you can't, you know, make a living off it, especially when it takes so much time, is is certainly really difficult. And it's it's one of those things where I can certainly empathize with. I think there's a lot of fan creators out there, especially in... Stuff like Star Wars and Star Trek, where they're they're hemmed within corners, and you realize, for example, like Star Trek continues, you see people who have made sets and everything else, and they've put on a show that is better than probably half of Star Trek Discovery, and most certainly better than three quarters of, like, Voyager, and you look at a fan production, and you're like, wow, this beautifully connects the original series with the films, like, this is a really good thing. And there's a lot of fan creations out there that kind of fly under the radar like that. So, I mean, this next series, if if someone wanted to visit, view, or see this next series, where would they go to support it? At present, I, I we are going to be taking pre-orders once the cover art is finished in June. I have my own website that they'll be on. That's my name, fiorthetankgirl.com slash shop. Uh, and then I also stream on Twitch on Sundays at 3 p.m., Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, the actual, like, us playing the tabletop game, um, and that's on twitch.tv slash Girl. And the only reason I'm on Twitch is because YouTube gave me a community guideline strike one day. And if you don't know anything about YouTube, if you get a community guideline strike, you can't stream for 90 days. Yeah, if YouTube has been one of those things where Mike and I and everyone else, just to give people an example... You and I have the same bitches about YouTube, despite our channels being two different sizes. And the problem is, is 90% of people, if not 99.9% of people in YouTube are all in the same bucket where you're like, why did they do this? Why is this suddenly flagged? Why did this disappear? Why is my 2FA bypassed? 
Why is Google Wallet not a real bank? You know, all of these other things that they get away with. And you're like, wow, this fucking sucks. So, yeah, I certainly empathize with that. I've been through shit on YouTube. And I can tell you, I agree with you. They'll just hand things down and be like, hey, knock, knock. And you go, who's there? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, like, like they tried to label one of the animations I did for FOE as for children. And my response was, there is literally a pony in this who gets their head blown off, full gore and viscera everywhere. And someone throws a frag grenade at the body. See, and that's the thing. Is that, like, I'm sitting there going like, if I was a kid and I was watching My Little Pony and then I saw that next, I'd be like, man, today's the day I grow up. <laughs> Today's the day I become a hard man. And the song they're singing is literally about the regrets of nuke. And, and it's a music video. And it's like the song being sung is literally the regrets of a post-nuclear world and how you salvage the good things and make new things for the things that didn't work. See, you I'm know, sorry. It's, it's all about uh, picking yourself by your bootstraps and just whipping grenades at people. I mean, you know, your spurs got to jingle, jangle, jingle. So I, I have to ask, just side, uh, favorite and least favorite Fallout game? Uh, my favorite Fallout game is New Vegas. Excellent choice. And and right next to that is Fallout 2, and I can't decide which one I like more. Both excellent choices. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a weird guy. I like Fallout 1. Goat? New Vegas. All right. Mike? Yeah, same. All right. No, yeah, I New mean, Vegas I, is a solid choice. I almost cried the first time I saw the end of New Vegas with the B-29 coming in. And the fight over Hoover Dam and the old Enclave guys coming in and all sorts of other shit as I was like, this is a love letter to the fans. And I didn't realize what a good love letter to the fans was until I saw Ready Player One. And I went, this is a bad love letter to the fans. <laughs> and, and and the thing that got me with, with, with New Vegas was uh, when I did the playthrough on my channel, I hadn't done, uh, I'd never played the Lonesome Road. I had the DLC for years. Yeah. And I went on, and I went on the Lonesome Road, and I got to the end, and I'm like, "This is just Obsidian telling us we're sorry we can't do this anymore, but here's a last little thing. Good luck." And I, I really like. Okay, here's a question: favorite DLC for for uh, New Vegas? Uh, me? It's gonna. Uh, everybody's gonna hate me. Uh, Honest Hearts. Nope, that's mine. Honest Hearts is mine. And, and the reason is, is like um, going to the big empty and dealing with dick finger robot people was boring to me because I was like, this is just the world of atom vision. And I'm like, eh, boring. But drive-in theater, schlock, sci-fi stuff. But I really liked Honest Hearts because there's a story there about characters and you end up with some characters that are so deep that they are still quoted out of context from the game. That's deep. And and the other part about it that I really like, especially compared to Sierra Madre, because Sierra Madre makes you take make takes everything away from you. Yeah. Honest Heart says, okay, you can bring your toys and we're gonna give you new ones, but there's no physical way you're gonna be able to carry both of them. So you're going to have to pick which ones you leave behind. And, and I that's have seen, a fair point. I, I have seen friends of mine go in with like their favorite handgun or their favorite weapon and leave that favorite weapon because there's something in Honest Hearts that really sings to them now. I I always liked who who's your favorite character from New Vegas? I always thought Joshua Graham was up there, just in the terms of I've met people like Joshua Graham 
who have suffered so much shit that they become this Zen apocalypse of war. And they're just like, my duty is known. God has spoken to me. And you're like, uh oh. And then they, they do good stuff. It's just when you find someone who has been through that filter, they did a really good job in that show and of that showing of that character of making that incredibly realistic. Um, my favorite character is Marcus. Interesting. Because in he's a super mutant who knows that like he was created to do a bad thing. Right. He knows it. And he goes, you know what? No. I know society's not going to take us whole heart and be okay with us. I will make a place for us and we will still, and while we will be separate from society, we will still come and interact with them on their level. So long as they are willing to respect our space. Would you, would you mind rating the end of my playthrough of fallout four? It's very simple. I'm going to show you how it ends. Um, you get to the part where the guy says, I'm your son. I exited the conversation before he finished it, and I did vats, and I just raised the gun to his head and pulled the trigger six times, and then I exited the game. And I was like, that that seems about correct. I was worse than this because the moment I saw the first flashback, I went, my son runs the Institute. Wow. I, I didn't put it together till later, but I got really, really lost. And, and, and he's... Yeah. And the other part of it was my son runs the Institute and he's twice my age. I know ne- I would have never put that together. But when I saw he was like, I'm your son. I was like, wow, you're disappointing. You're grounded. You know, I was just bad kid. So when I got to that point and I, and I did this live on street, when I got to that point, um, I finished the conversation. He started to walk upstairs and I went, nope. And I pulled out the mini nuke launcher and just there said, you go. This. You're retired. And it was it was day one, and they hadn't patched in a reaction to to the player just going off. So now I'm exiting the institute. There's no alarms. There's there's no one trying to stop me. There's no one actively doing anything to me. And I'm just super paranoid, expecting the hammer to drop the whole yeah, way out. You're you're waiting for all the robots to turn and start killing you. And I walk out the front door, and nothing happened. Yeah, that sounds about Fallout 4. I I remember breaking the game uh, by becoming a water baron. Like, because the thing is, is that in Fallout, they talk about water barons all throughout the setting. And you never get to play one. And then they said, wait, you can build a civilized... Uh-oh. They let me build a settlement. Every fucking millimeter of... The river in the first settlement, you couldn't put a razor blade between the amount of water purification generators I had. I had so many. You loaded in. It took five minutes, and all you could hear was engines clattering. Just So what I would do once a day is go get my water dollars, and I could crawl because it was like 4,000 units of water, and I would walk 10 feet to the stores, and then I would buy everything they had every day and then i just stopped using money i was like i am a water baron how many how many liters of water does this require i sat i had a giant tower with neon lights that said fuck off and i had turrets hanging from it and you could hear it from across the wasteland because of how fucked the sound design was so you could hear in the distance the clattering of 10,000 engines pumping water and it would, so I'd be like ah yes there's Waterberg and you're 
where I'm like, excellent, the water will flow. I was a bad person. I, 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 I was actually a decent person because I made it my objective to have 70 women and 10 men spread across all the settlements because that is the dead minimum genetic diversity to be able to repopulate the earth. So you went hard and you were like, look, we're going to actually do this correctly. It, I, I like that idea. Now, one of the things that made me laugh in that game so hard was you, you have Boston, right? Yeah. And no one in that setting, there was one guy who had a Boston accent. One. Now, I realize if they had given everyone a Bostonian accent, Fallout 4 would have been unplayable. You know? <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Ah, salt in this base is going to be hot. Ah, there's feral ghouls everywhere. Pack the vertebrae. If you can give it to more than one... That's what I mean. Is like it was. It was the same four Oblivion voices, and then like Boston guy. Remember that time when the Brotherhood of Steel showed up with their airship? I do. I when I saw that, I said, "What in the cinnamon toast fuck am I watching?" Because this ain't Fallout anymore. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, "One airship was fine for tactics, but here's another one for no reason." Surely they barely got here, and then you go up there, and they're like, "We built this from scratch, and everything works fine, and we have all these vertebrates." And I'm like, "All right, whatever." <laughs> I just reached Prime. Who gives a fuck? But when it comes down to Fallout. I find that the setting's interesting because you can take something from it. I've seen people take Twilight 2000 and roll that into Fallout to replay the end of the war. I've seen people take a setting and just manipulate and change it so many times. So, I mean, I think what you're doing is amazing. And you said that if people want to check you out on Twitch, it's Fiora the Tank Girl on... Can you spell that? Because I'm really shit with spelling Fiora. I thought I your name was Fuhrer, like, you know... Uh, Foxtrot Indigo Alpha Uniform Romeo Alpha, and then it's just the word the Tank Girl. All right, one word. All right, and you have a website. You have a website yeah. where people. Yeah. Same thing. All right. Okay. Cool. Because even I didn't know about the website, but I'm also fucking oh, the busy. The website's terrible, and I, I don't know decider, but I can't afford them. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you've seen like some bad websites because I I. Re- I I don't know. For fan fiction, I think bad websites are kind of key. Yeah, I think part of the charm. It does. You need to have like a bunch of sixteen-bit things dancing. You need the dancing baby. <laughs> you need the you need the caramel dancing. You know what I mean? You need oh, leak spin God. like yeah, paste le- it over itself ten times. You're reminding <laughs> me of like the weird Halo Two marketing campaign for the bees. Oh yeah, the ARG they did. Uh, we love bees or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for the uh, for the websites and stuff, we'll put that in the description. So in in the description, we'll put the website so you can check that shit out. If you wanna if you wanna support some fan fiction that helps like shit on Todd Howard, here here's the place to do it. All right. So, anyways, um, we are going to take some questions. Fiora, it is normal for our guests to help us take some questions. It is normal for a guest to help us take some questions, and these questions are from the Black Pants Legion. They were sent to us at a time, and we're slowly getting through all of them. Slowly, we've gotten through all of the Battletech questions. It only took us a year. It took us a year to get just the Battletech questions. Now we're on to General Other. So they don't know who the actual guest is. No, 
No, that makes it better. We never tell anyone. We anybody. never tell anyone. <laughs> and it was we, like, is it Mike, Goat, whoever? Yeah, I don't know they, who's they, there. Just, they just add that they in. They gave up. Oh, <laughs> people gave up because people will start saying, if you have so-and-so back on the podcast, th- this, this, yeah, this is a question for them. And I'm like, whoever shows up, shows up. So, yeah, our guests usually get trapped in trying to answer the questions on the internet. And while Deputy has screened these, we've not heard them. So here we go. This podcast started with flying off the, the, the cliff with the gas pedal down. Yeah, no, don't worry. So, yeah, we have fucking Brony Hunter S. Thompson here. Yeah, here we go. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Brony Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, That's great. great. I like that. Okay, That's go great. read the next one. This one's called That Kick Drum at the Start, comma, Nice. <laughs> Hey guys, so I was just listening to the pre-Halloween podcast and I I just had a thought. So if you were to use the technology from Michael Crichton's timeline, so you're hopping realities to another reality that, you know, is going to run parallel to ours, and you can't come back to the future, what technology would you introduce? No parts, just knowledge of technology to create an industry that would essentially make you a god king of that time. AK-47. This <laughs> kind of a fun, interesting one. Thanks, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, and I want to hear the kick drum at the start, because I didn't hear it. Let me see. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> With the kick drum. <laughs> <What's not? laughs> okay. All right. All right, so when it comes down to weapons or whatever, AK-47, penicillin, soap. Any of these would probably Yeah, mine was just going to be penicillin. That would have been it. Check out. It's bar of soap. It's uniform and nice. People would be like, oh. I would introduce them to germ warfare, and that would be it. (laughs) You're like, hey, have you heard of COVID? (laughs) (laughs) I I would introduce them to the metal process that lets us create ceramic armor that stops tank shells. I'm not sure. Like, how would that help? Well, I don't know. God, that's messed up. (laughs) I like it. No, that's perfect. And then, and, and, and then tell them there's enough of this stuff lying around. You can make a whole castle out of it. So you're basically making <laughs> bulletproof castles. I like that. Um, basic sanitation. Let's let's go. Basic sanitation. Yeah. Like yeah. What? wash your hands. Wash your hands. So you're like that. You're like. <laughs> You, you ins- what technology does Goat bring back? He brings back the "please wash your hands before returning to work" sign. Yes, unironically, yes. I will like, I'll I'll turn into like a religious figure because I can I can I can you know I can BS that up and you know I can write some catchy tunes and I'm good with languages. But the core tenant, it's like I'm going to make all these rituals around it. That's just wash your hands, wash your face. Clean your armpits and your groin as well once a day. They just wash their feet. That's all they need. That's next it. question. Next, that's all they have to do. And we're not talking about feet here. Next question. <laughs> no more feet. Next question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's bring up the next one then. This next question is called "What it feels like to chew five gum while baked." Oh no. <laughs> Hi guys, it's uh, Retro here. We'll try to keep this to sync. So anyway, I was chewing some five gum and thinking about war crimes, and I got uh, a question. You could take 20 people, scum of the earth, you pick them wherever, doesn't matter who they are, don't care, and you could choose 20 of them to the Battle of Oscovitz or Second Battle of You know, you and Fritz Haber both know they're going to get gassed. Where do you send them? And another question here is uh, very simple, real basic here. If you had to, three, uh, three things to send back to the Battle of Blair Mountain. You make the call, you know how it goes down here. Anyway, you guys take care. 
a retro, everybody. <laughs> retro of the Black Pants Legion, a.k.a. our Foghorn Leghorn incarnate. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, yippers. When it comes down to, you know, they're going to be gassed. I, you know what I would do? I, I would I would send those guys uh, a bunch of those, like, full-size industrial fans. So when the crowd started using <laughs> xylobromide and all that other stuff. I'm talking the industrial ones that they use they're on like the movie size sets. Of a house. Yeah, that yeah. they use on movie sets to make rain and stuff. Or so. what, whatever they use at Home Depot yeah. to blow all that yeah. air out. I don't yeah. know what the fuck so, that fan's so, all about. So they, they shell and saturate your area. Boom, 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 boom. And then... And you just blow it back at them. And they're like, that's cheating. Just a giant it. shop fan. Yeah, just blow it back at them. Be like, no, trench is full. Fuck off. I, I, I would send the shit from Saddam Hussein's arsenal that was supposedly able to melt through a gas mask as artillery shells in the correct caliber. See, you could you could just make World War you could just make World War One far worse. That's that's the answer to World War One. No, the answer man made horrors beyond our comprehension. It goes from nah. World War One to World War Fun, it like goes, real easily. How do we make Total War bigger? Ask a brony. How do, how do we burn the earth? I've had a nuclear war planner on this, and they didn't come up so, with ideas like that. So so. In the Brody fandom, I refer to as Fiora, Princess of Explosions. I can appreciate this. Because of a comic that Tony Fleece wrote where a reformed villain goes, Where's the princess of martial arts or the princess of, of, of fortification? Where the hell's the princess of explosions? I agree. And then in the background, he has my, he has my character from Fallout on a stained glass window. <laughs> Reasonable reasonable so so next question let's see what we got okay all right goat next question a sticky question uh, hello black pants legion uh um i'm calling in from uh oh, god damn what's this fucking planet called hang on my crap is loading uh somewhere so close Tar- taurus what kind of dumb name is that capital planet i was like like what if remus killed romulus and we had the Reem, like the city of Reem, and the Reeman Empire. Don't worry, Taurus and doesn't the holy last. Reeman Empire, which would neither be holy nor Reeman, if you really think about it. Anyways, um, be the boys here. We're, we're going over some compelling scrap and having a, you know, kind of a good laugh about that. You know, have some folks. Uh, anyways, we're, we're wondering, um, sorry for the ramble, what would your least favorite gum be? <laughs> that was the question. Least favorite gum, fruit stripe, one chew and done. Yep, I agree. Fruit stripe 100%. is more or less flavored glue. <laughs> you can have a bite, the flavor is gone. It's like eating a post-it note. It I would is, rather yeah. I would eat, I'd rather take that jaw-breaking taffy that came with baseball cards oh, over God. that stripe over that, the stripe that's, gum. That's the gum that the <laughs> the baseball the gum card that gum. changed people's teeth forever. The baseball card gum was strong <laughs> enough to cut through the packages. The edges were because <laughs> as a kid I had baseball cards and that would happen. So, so you I'm got gonna, Elmer's and you've no. got Gorilla Glue and then you got whatever the fuck they put in baseball gum that's like bulletproof. So, so, yeah. So, because of baseball in the 90s still having a bunch of baseball players who chewed tobacco, the coaches Piggly gave, chew. So I would be like 10, and the coaches would just give us that gum. Like, yeah. not like not like one piece. There's just a bucket of it. 
hanging off the edge of the dugout, and you can get some when you come back, and then there's another bucket you spit it in on the way out. Just bleh, just a big giant gulp yes. out. Yeah. And I felt sorry for the coach that had to clean the fucking spit I can only imagine a bunch of bubblegum spit. I mean, that sounds worse than tobacco spit, to be honest, because it's just all sugar. Oh, my God. I will say this. I remember I remember that that um, big league chew and you would get that big ball of it. And I were in Little League. There was a kid that just had this huge chaw of big league chew. I remember that the pitcher hit him, like hit him with the ball. And this kid took the big chaw and big league chew and squeezed it and whipped it back at that kid and it hit him in the head. And what it was great is it stuck to his hair. So it wasn't like getting hit with a baseball. It was like getting hit with napalm. It's just like, and the guy went down. It was like, yes, this has reached new levels. Baseball gum. Oh, man. Baseball gum, children's napalm. Yeah, pretty much. All right, so next question. All right, the next question is called... I'm uh, starting to suspect we did a podcast about a year ago about screwing with time travel. We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we think we did screw when we tried time travel as a podcast. Yeah, probably. Hey there, Tex. This is Garlic Bread Math Man. Hello. Middle of the night. I'm on a uh-huh. walk right now. Uh-huh. Good on you. Um, If you could go back in time and change uh-huh. naval history in any oh, way... God. Be, you know, changing the outcome of a battle. Oh, no. Or introducing any piece of technology, like, uh-huh. a century ahead of its time. Uh, what would it be? Right. Just really screw up the timeline. Okay. Let me know. Love easy, the podcast. Easy. Um, uh, what you do is you give, like, Jackie Fisher diarrhea before Jetman. <laughs> In, at any point, you introduce Jackie Fisher to diarrhea, anything, and 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 you just find that if if, if you just put, give him Taco Bell, yeah, just give him a little bit of Taco Bell, you know, and and just let that sort itself out because if if you had less nonsense of these ships can fit so much cordite in them, you would have had probably a more decisive engagement. If you want to really ruin history, uh, modern naval battles are very easy to fuck up because it's the first person who sees the other person who does the killing nine times out of 10 it is the person who has the range the detection and the abilities and capabilities to see and reach and hurt and so if you could just honestly move somebody's map marker 10 miles in any direction in any world war ii battle you could drastically change the outcome world war one's a little bit harder because you have to change commanders and doctrine people leading up to that but i mean that's just my ideas uh, right. Now, if you want to, if you want to fuck up World War II history, like really badly, all you have to do is get. Well, no, that wouldn't change anything. I was going to say, if you gave the Italians directions to not be in port on a certain day, they would still be in the war. It's it's just one of those things of, hey man, those look like a lot of planes up there. They hit us on a weekend. That's yeah. a cheating. Yeah, they're they're not allowed to attack us on today that's against the rules it's also high noon they wouldn't fly biplanes in here and bomb the shit out of us with a bunch of museum pieces uh oh <laughs> so so um world war one the thing i would change is at the battle of jutland i would just give both sides cruise missiles i don't think they would trust them i don't i honestly don't think if you gave them a cruise missile and they said you release this and it will go find people they would say how you would have to convince them that radar stood for god you have to say oh no there's there there's a box in here that speaks to the almighty who tells where the centers are the important part with this is i don't tell them they have them 
So when they pull the trigger to fire the main guns, instead it just releases a hundred cruise missiles from every ship. (laughs) (laughs) I think think Jetland would have been over in like four minutes. And then there was just, you would have seen a bunch of flashes out at sea. Just a bunch of like strobe flashes. And then oil would have just come in. Just oil and pieces of stuff. And then Germany would go, well, the blockade's broken. But <laughs> I think we have nothing to sail out with. I think both sides would be like, "What happened?" <laughs> Just over, and, and then and then you know, ancient aliens get really interesting. But uh, for World War Two, I would just have the two submarines that spotted the Japanese fleet on the way to Pearl Harbor think the war had already started and just open up with a full spread. Exactly. I mean, any of those things you can change in World War II. You can change a map marker 10 miles, 10 nautical miles, or you can change a order, a line on orders and absolutely change history. Now, World War I, you have to change doctrines and further back, you'd have to change landscapes. But it's it's the, the further on you go in history, the higher the lethality and the lower the survivability. So it's it's really interesting to look at it that yeah, way. Um, that's what I do. Uh, somebody somebody noticed that I made a reference to uh, the submarine that sank a train in a piece I did recently, and I said, "Why not?" Well, the thing the thing is, is that when you look at the fun of World War II, and you look at all the things in the Pacific, you realize these guys were on these boats for weeks and weeks and weeks trolling across the Pacific with defective torpedoes. So if they're like, "Hey, you can sink a train," goddamn right I am. I've stuck in this fucking tin can for four fucking weeks, sucking down torpedo fumes, and you're telling me Mr. Choo Choo needs to go into the ocean? Yes. Yes, he does. Wait, wait. You don't know this story, do you? I've I've actually uh, read the full story of the sinking of the uh, railroad, and I've seen I've seen the pictures of them coming back into port. Um, I studied U-boats for quite a while as well. And what's what's funny with this U-boat side of things is really, really amusingly, some of the U-boats were written in English on their on their little banners. So if people saw it, they would know who they were. And one of my favorite U-boats, the logo on it said Westward Ho. <laughs> and so when they saw it, they're like, oh, shit. Oh, God. Yeah. So uh, Mike, any input on Naval Matters? I think the Jutland bubble gut is good for me. I think that's a great tactic. That's what I would call that. The Jutland bubble gut. Give him some taco baco and have it work out. Or the uh, or the sea rave idea with all the flashes. The I think sea rave. Yeah. Laser. I think both of those are great. Uh, it's called the Helio system. I, have, I don't have anything. Like I, I, If I go back to that time, I'd be like, hey, don't fight. That would be my whole thing. Hey, don't, don't you'd do be that. the first hippie, like in 1914, when people are singing about how great, oh, 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 what a lovely war. Like, that was a song. You have people singing how great a war is, and then Mike's the first hippie. Can I'm like, imagine? I don't know if we could just be fiscally responsible, because the next, like, 20 years is going to be a little you're like, rough. You're like, what if there's a depression in you know, 10 years? <laughs> you know, and they're like, no. No, and then I'd, I'd end up having to do a job like a journalist or something, because that's being not, a not journalist, just if you could do at that time. Being a journalist back in the teens was hilarious, because we had to read a lot of that journalism for Dr. Christmas, and we found out the barrier was not very high. No, they were willing to take money, much like a lot of journalists are, but they were <laughs> well, willing to take there money was, there for was that, anything. There was that, there was that article uh, by, by J.D. Van Vliet, Vliet, um who wrote about Dr. Christmas 
And the thing that blew my mind about J.D. Van Vliet and Dr. Christmas was there is a picture that Dr. Christmas gave for the, for the magazine. There's this beautiful picture of Dr. Christmas in the lower left-hand corner of this article. And Dr. Christmas has signed it, like, to my friend. <laughs> and I'm going, this isn't... This isn't journalism. If someone says, to my dearest friend, so-and-so, here is my personal letter of my face to use in the article where I talk about how great I am. And you see stuff like that. You realize journalism back in the day, there was no barrier to entry. You could just be like, man invents God. And you're like, that doesn't sound right. And it's like, more news at noon. Laudanum cures dropsy. <laughs> yeah. Remember, it wasn't until 1912 that laudanum was uh, prohibited over the counter Without a prescription, you can just be like, man, I have a cough. I feel like a magic carpet ride. <laughs> what a magical time. No wonder like, everybody seemed like, like they man. had a pep in their step. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder where jazz music came from. <laughs> it's like, well, you could go down the farm. <laughs> I can see why they call it the Great Depression. Yeah, because they banned laudanum. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, they banned everything. They banned everything. So, they ban fun. Yeah, they ban fun. Yeah, You're not like, allowed to make gin in your bathtub no more. Like, 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 Coke didn't take cocaine out of Coke until 1929. Could you imagine what it must have been like to go to a fucking baseball game when there was cocaine <laughs> and Coca-Cola? You see the guy take a swig off of Coke and then throw the bat into the audience. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, the funny thing for me, but the funny thing for me about that is, is I'm sitting over there and I'm going... So they took the cocaine out of Coke, and it was all gone by 1929, and then they had the Great Depression. <laughs> you know, I it, it explains the stock market falling off. All those guys are probably like, Coke a day for me! You know, just sitting there, like, running around at 100 miles an hour, throwing their hands up everywhere, like, ah! Myself! Myself! <laughs> Man, that made the roaring 20s roar. Could you imagine, like, back in the day, they were just like, you know, if your tooth hurts, like, because today, if you had a toothache, what would they tell you to do? Ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. Or back in the out. day. Yeah. Or go to the Or dentist. oxycodone. Yeah, yeah. But, well, depending on the state. But, if, yeah. <laughs> depending on the Ohio. state, they'll scoop that shit in your hands like Raisin Bran. You'll be like, I have this cough. And they're like, all right. I had, a, it in. I had a tooth pull and they gave me oxycodone for like two months. Like it was like they this, like a huge bottle full. And I was like, I'm not taking they gave this. Him, they gave him like two months of oxy. <laughs> Thanks, dentist. Ohio. <laughs> and I, I was like, yeah, the Ohio had an opioid pe epidemic. I'm like, hi, I wonder why. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> you <laughs> broke your finger. You need cocaine. <laughs> All right. Next question. Yeah. They didn't ask me. Oh, that's right. What would what? Mm. I'd give the Greeks a hydrofoil like the ancient Greeks. Oh, God. Because here's what they do with it. Because they had a funny conception of what to do with these things. Yeah. Main method and for classical navy was ramming and boarding, right? I do not want to see a boarding hydrofoil. No, no, no. It's not a boarding hydrofoil. It's they make the hydrofoil. All ships in art, you'd see they have the front ram and then they have a perpendicular ram like a hammer. Yeah, they'd hydrofoil up and just bam, slam it down like it's WrestleMania. Okay, and I That's... want to see that shit on ancient Greek pottery. I want to know. Okay, I row every day, but I do not know how fucking hard you have to row to get a hydrofoil to work. You know what I mean? Like row, <laughs> lift out of the water, <laughs> goes up a foot. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. 
Goddamn. With enough I, decks and enough slaves, you yeah, can with accomplish it, with wonders. With enough gains, you can row a hydrofoil to 49. <laughs> so you could just do that now and just say, hey, it's the new CrossFit. Yeah, there you just you call go. it CrossFit. Oh yeah. my! That's People a, would do it. They'd be like, "Oh, I got to race this hydrofoil race." You can't bend an anvil with your hands, but with CrossFit, you can. <laughs> hey, now now we can do next question. Next question. Okay. Uh, and I think this would be the good uh, time to say this is the final one. No problem, because we're right. at an hour yeah, and a half. Right. Hour and a half. Ten, it eight. happens. All right, forty k. Maggie Floundy back at it again with the forty k fixes. Uh huh. Hello, BPL Podcast. My yeah. name is Magnificent Flounder, and. Hello. Uh, just got a question from a game design standpoint. Uh, we all know the state of 40K is not popular amongst the people uh, who do this podcast. Get in your Fox Games workshop. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering what you might have done differently given the benefit of hindsight and given that, you know, we all here are not game designers. What would you have done differently from third edition on to sort of mitigate the codex creep that Easy. that was that was built into that system inherently and it's built into the current system? But I know you don't give a shit about that. Nah. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Just what might you have done? Also, Mr. Goat, you're fucking awesome. And I don't think enough people tell you that. Hell yeah. Mike, you're fucking awesome. Thanks. I don't no. think enough people tell you that. I agree. I, I agree more with Goat being awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't that it hurt me. Like, <laughs> did you hear that? He said text. Ah. <laughs> I don't edit feature length documentaries, Mike. What's that? I don't text. edit feature length ah. documentaries. <laughs> That's sure great. you don't. Looks at two hour video. This is not a feature length documentary. I assure you. Here's here's the way. Here's what I would have done. In all honesty, I would have gone to Andy Chambers, and I would have been Andy Chambers. What would you do? Because baby, I'm, come back. I'm, I'm not. I'd be. The, you'd be there with the boombox over your head under yeah. his door. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing: Andy Chambers gave us Battlefleet Gothic, Gorka Morka, uh, Mordheim, all of this really important shit. He gave us a lot of great lore. He set things in motion. He gave us a lot of the 40k we know. And then Matt Ward, Rowboat Girly Man, and you know the rest. And it's just. Ultramarines. The Ultramarine era came after Andy Chambers left, and he just walked away from it. Simple as. Just simple as. He was like, okay, that's not what I would have done. I'd bring Andy Chambers back, and I'd say, Mr. Chambers, I apologize for everything that's been done to you. Please, how would you fix this? I would just trust him, because his instincts were right. He listened to the fans for battles. He listened to the fans for outcomes. He engaged with the fans a lot. He used battles to determine the outcomes of settings, what planets fell, what campaigns were relevant he really drove fan engagement he didn't tell them what was good about a game he played the games that's why battlefleet gothic was so fucking good and they killed battlefleet gothic after he left even though it was one of the best games that games workshop made and specialist games was made off of it a lot of this stuff that andy chambers gave them they shit on after he left so i would just trust in andy chambers i would no doubt 100 percent, just let everything happen that happened the way it happened with one exception, the moment my copyright lawyers started getting uppity, I'd go, fuck that. And I would call all of these content creators and go, okay, how much money do you need to make your shit? It's, it's yours. We will pay you. Go ham. Exactly. No, I, and I think you're right on that. Like, if you went down the line and you said, Astartes, how would you like to make these for a living? How would I pay you a salary to keep making these? And just go down the list of creators. And just be like, go to Texas Speech Device. Hey, 
Cancel your Patreon. Here's ten grand a month. Go ham. Go to go to all the lore people and be like, all right, here's your Patreon. We're gonna double it. Go ham. Do whatever. Exactly. You want. Like reinvest, reinvest in the company. Amazing. And then and then let them stay independent. They're not. They're contractors. We just pay them money. But what's amazing is the work they do that most of these companies don't realize is that is the best advertising they're going to get because absolutely when you look at people who get into star wars anybody's going to go see the star wars movies everyone's going to see that shit on disney plus or whatever wherever they buy it but they're going to know the star wars movies what keeps them in a fandom is fan creations because the fan creations fill the gap between the large production stuff and it's why I've told Mike and many other people where people go, oh, are you worried that, you know, other creators or other things are getting in on making lore? And I said, at the end of the Ameris Civil War video, I said, we need more people. We need more people in Battletech. We need more people in Battletech. We need more creators. I am a voice in the choir, nothing else. And when you find that you're a voice in the choir and you take that mindset you want this to be as you point out a creation of so many oceans of voices so that this thing can outlast a bad product if there's a bad addition of a game or a bad thing it doesn't matter it doesn't die it doesn't shrink the company doesn't die because there's so many fans out there still consuming and building and laying the ground floor for it and it will be there the company can now afford to make mistakes because the fan base is fed Fans love stuff, even stuff made by other fans. Especially, I mean, God, Star Trek taught me that. Who do you think, do you think Paramount is going around making Star Trek uniforms? If you go around a Star Trek convention, you see an original Wrath of Khan uniform that's tailored to someone. Do you think that came out of Paramount's store? No, a tailor made that. If you see somebody's customed out phaser, do you think that came out of the Paramount store? No, no. Somebody made that at home. And, and preach Jesus. Like there's a reason why like Hasbro didn't like, okay, let me give you a, a big example. Harry Potter has this massive fandom. I hate JK Rowling with a, with an absolute passion. It's a different story. JK Rowling shut down Harry Potter conventions and then wonders why her checks keep getting smaller. What? I didn't know that. What the fuck is her? Yeah. Pal yeah. Now? Somebody tried to hold a Harry Potter convention in like 2014. How dare you believe in a magical fucking world, you child? And, and, and <laughs> cease, and cease and desist. So they have to hold, wow. So they have to hold their conventions as not really Harry Potter conventions. <laughs> the wow. the the worsening world of Harry Potter. <laughs> just have to change some letters. And and I'm just like Wizard School. We're going to pigmoles. <laughs> exactly. And I'm just like I'm like. This lady just stinks, man. Listen, listen. Here's what I'm saying: is is, is when someone when someone goes online and has to write in diatribes why wizards like don't take poops. (laughs) Something I'm going. There is hope for the rest of us in writing. If they can do that and make a billion dollars, we can do that and make a living. And then and then the other part that makes me laugh my ass off is because my wife is 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 a United Kingdom citizen. I've I've been there for months at a time. Eighty percent of Harry Potter is just you live in the UK. Yeah, that's it. Much. That's it. It's, 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 it's not magical at all. You yeah, no. Live in the UK, but you have to understand for like Americans, they don't think England's real. So it's 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 a magical world. They're like, for Americans, it's what did our unsinkable aircraft carrier just say? 
<laughs> exactly. <sighs> God. What did the people who lost against us say? I forgot. <laughs> that we bailed out <laughs> twice. <laughs> I I told my boss uh I, I told my boss once it was it was the fourth of July and he's Scottish and he said Happy Treason Day, you grateful uncolon you great ungrateful <laughs> colonials. And I responded, It's only treason if you lose. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime he's like I'm gonna have some tea and I was like it belongs in the harbor and, and as a we should have named that harbor Earl Gray man <laughs> as, 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 as a side note the way I knew my wife Sophie's family had accepted me they nicknamed me the American the American <laughs> holy <laughs> shit ah yes you fucking the American that makes it sound like you're a spy about to join MI6 <laughs> the, like, uh, the American <laughs> This we like have a, to call what? the American. This sounds like a really bad action movie. Like you'd be yeah. looking at the titles. And That'd be a spinoff for the Kingsman. Oh, the Kingsman. The American. The American. And he uh, just has a 1911. He just has a 1911. He's open carrying it everywhere. And nobody notices or says anything. I once, I once saw a guy. I once saw a guy open carrying a 1911. And I walked up to him and I was like, hey, man, is that a 1911? And he's like, yeah, man, this is my gun. You got a problem with it? And I was like. Is that an AMT 1911? And he looked a little disquieted and he goes, why? And I said, is that a, is that an 80s Arcadia machine and tool 1911? No. And he goes, no. And I said, it looks like one. <laughs> that, sir, is a gun-shaped object. <laughs> hey, it's 47's favorite gun. It must be good for something, I Yeah, think. it's called challenge mode. <laughs> It, using using an Arcadia machine and tool product, which they went bankrupt for many times, using one of their guns is a D100 chart and random outcomes. I have never seen two AMT guns that had the same failure. They all are wrong in different ways. I had an AMT handgun that had rails on one side. The <laughs> This is so bad. The frame on one side was longer on the other. And I'm going, asymmetry is a new trick. <laughs> I shot a World War II GI issue 1911, and it had better tolerances and accuracy. I, I had an AMT. AMT 1911 that it said new in box unfired, and I picked it up, and it sounded like a maraca. That is how loose the fit in those guns are. The way you describe it makes it sound like AMT is like Balenciaga so, for handguns. So, no, no, the AMT <laughs> yes, knows. All right, usually, usually most gun companies will have a fitting guy who knows how all the fit and finish is supposed to be. They'll have a QC guy and they'll have a polish shop. AMT had a polish shop. So oh, they every, polished the shit out of those Everything is shiny to the point where if you pulled it in a gunfight, you are blind and you've just generated 800 witnesses who said, why is that man shooting a mirror at someone? Yeah, who pulled out a signal mirror? <laughs> who pulled out a signal mirror? Oh, God, that's a gun. It's one of those guns where I look at it and go, man, I wish there was an in real life setting for turning off reflections. Yeah, I know. Like, you want to turn... <laughs> you want to turn... The GFX off yeah. when you so see you can one. See what he's doing. You're like, oh wow, I could. That's a hunk. It's yeah. a lens flare gun. That's <laughs> the problem. Is it's like AMT was designed in yes. an era where guns were seen. 
but never used. And so when I see an AMT gun, it's one of those things where you'll be like, all right, let's go function check this thing. Click, click, hang fire, bang, click, click. And you're like, why? Ready to sell. Everything is new. Everything in this gun is new. I replaced the springs. I replaced the firing pin. I replaced the hammer. I re-architectured the sear. I have rebuilt everything. It's got a new main spring in it. I cut that hammer myself and then it still won't work because it's cursed if you want to learn what frustration in gunsmithing looks like amt is your magical unsolvable zen cone of firearms there are no solutions other than to put it down and they will haunt you forever because you'd be like oh if i had only done this i could have fixed it nope you will generate new problems because they are all engineered in a cthulhu division i just horrible fucking guns if you find one pass if you want to know what mediocrity feels like in a handshake pick one up i just imagine the 1911 refit the 1911-a oh that's b well that's what the dash a1, c you're like which one is the good one well, it gets better as well, the alphabet that's that's what they are is the a1 and so on you have all these changes now what was really interesting is dan wesson for a time made an a2 where they thought what would yeah. the 1911 be like if they had actually aged a little more and they flared the ejection port and did some other stuff and then stopped making them because they were really nice which is just proof that nobody likes anything anymore. It's a common problem in most productions. I know. It's it too nice. People are like, eh. People are like, yeah, you know what? We shouldn't Not let people me. smile too much. They might uh, want more. <laughs> yeah, it's like that guy at McDonald's throws that extra nugget in the box. Like, that's for you. I once, we don't have that many people like that in this world. No. Like, that guy's no, no, a treasure, no, no. okay? So, yeah, so and, and, I, and if you work at a fast food restaurant, please, every time, just throw an extra nugget in. I, I, yeah. people, you want to see people smile that's how you do it exactly like they're not they're not there at mcdonald's for the taste of the food but that extra nugget may remind or them that extra sauce they're, they're getting off third shift and they're ready to go home and die yeah give them a like, chicken nugget it's like look they've just pulled a double and they need like 20 mcnuggets to help them pass out in a coma that chicken nugget could be the one like police officer deciding i'm not going to give you a ticket today yeah exactly you you could make the world a better place one more nugget so <laughs> okay as it is normally our way as it is normally our way um on the way out would you would you like to tell us any special messages anything they can do to check you out support you the time is yours um, so so come over to my stream and and make that stream tip goal happen because if that happens then i pay all my bills i have a patreon as well it's all under the same name Either one's fine. Or, you know, when I start book pre-orders as soon as my artist, who is a Russian refugee in the in the country of Georgia, hi, Fody, I know you're watching this, finishes his uh, f finishes the cover art for new book, I will have pre-orders for new book. But until he finishes cover order, art, I'm not doing that. I understand. So so from from your artist, you're saying like, hey, I know times are hard, but production's production. <laughs> No, no, and these from, shit posts won't help themselves. No, no. From my artist, I'm saying times are hard. People keep telling me I write good stuff and they want to buy more good stuff. Well, that means I need the, the, the artwork. And also, you have rent to pay. They let you stay. So let me pay your rent. 
I know how it is. And, and Mike, Mike will tell you the same thing. This whole thing started because I said, I'm paying you. And, it, and, and I said no, and he sent yeah. me sausages I sent and bacon you sausages until I took and his I kept money. Sending and I still don't want his money. Until he didn't have room to store the meat. I went, to his, I, I went to his house, and I saw that happen. Well, that's that's the thing. Is I said, did you ever try the, the uh, bacon fries, the grease bacon That fries? was the most yes. crisp. It was yeah. great, right? No. I thought okay. it was great. So, <laughs> like, Mike, you know how I eat, like, a steam shovel, and even I was like... Ah, so so I sent Mike 15 pounds of bacon because he was like, I won't take gratuity. And I was like, wrong. So <laughs> I sent the 15 <laughs> he, pounds of bacon. He just said, you either accept my money or you accept my bacon. You're not yep. getting because I made the mistake of giving him my address. Yep. So anyways, Dude. once the bacon was in the mail, he had to get through 15 pounds of bacon. Mike being Mike, he saved all of the bacon grease and cooked fries in them yeah. from 15 pounds of bacon. My family used to do that all the time. 15 so, pounds of bacon But I didn't realize it grease. wasn't a common thing because you know sometimes no, you do not. things with your family and then everyone it's, you go tell your friends are like, what the fuck? And you're like, yeah, but that's that's normal, right? They're like, no. That's, that's <laughs> an like, exquisite oh. thing I say for like if I go through a breakup or somebody dies. I'm like, you know what? It's time to make fries with bacon and then put bacon and cheese on top because I want my heart to slow down. Slow down. I want to hear it. Actually, it'll, it'll speed up because you're trying to work hard. But, well, you, but, but, but that's the, I, the thought process of humanity is yeah. often flawed yep. in that regard. I want to drink. Especially when it comes to food. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like I want to drink the shit that makes my teeth fall out and I want to eat the stuff that makes my heart very rigid. <laughs> so I, 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 I have for the last week, my best friend has been here and she just left just before we started the podcast. She's a vegetarian. I haven't had meat in a week. I'm sorry to hear that, but and what I you need, need to do... buddy to go get meat. <laughs> yeah, so go show up on that pot. Go show up on that stream and donate bacon money, please. <laughs> yeah. Please send bacon money so that they can get the vegetarian out of their zone. Burger so bucks. They can, burger bucks for Fiora. For the American. For the American. <laughs> burger bucks for the American. <laughs> This sounds like a holy conquest. Yes, this should be done. You know, there are war zones out there where you can't get supplies, but HelloFresh will show up. No, they won't. No, they will. HelloFresh will show you pictures of things you know how to cook already, and you go, yeah. damn it, I knew how to do this. They'll drop that They'll drop that box off and say, good luck. They don't know who you are. Who they, They're like, I'm like, what's in here? They're like, we don't know. We don't know. We You ordered it. You figure it out. <laughs> HelloFresh. It's there. <laughs> It's like it's just baby carrots. You're like, it sounds like you're having baby carrots oh. for dinner. <laughs> oh, and this is the this is the other thing about me. I have zero paid sponsorships. I have been offered at least once a week for the last five years. And good on you for staying straight on that. Good on you for staying honest on that because that is an easy slippery slope. It is. Hello, fresh has showed up in my email box, and, I, and my response is, and I remember this response because they showed up three weeks ago, and my response was, "Fuck." off i do not accept paid sponsorships and you sent this email when i was in a bad mood i hope you have a terrible day here's what i should say <laughs> so i should say could you show me pictures of the food and then once they do that i'm going like all right can you send it to me and they're like well i don't know i'm like could you could you send someone to cook it for me and they're like what and i'm like can, can you just some, prepackage it can and put it in the microwave? Like, you, what? Why, are we, why do we have all these steps? Yeah, I'm like, I, I will just, I, what I do with sponsorships now is they will email me and say, like, would you read this thing for NordVPN? And I'm like, hey, would you read these instructions for how to dispose of a corpse? And they're like, no. And I'm like, exactly. 
<laughs> they I'll, go. I'll read that copy for NordVPN. NordVPN, the only VPN service that will send ads directly to your Windows notification box, <laughs> and you can't opt out of it. You can't. It is not something you have to... NordVPN. You have to call the them. The pretense of safety. <laughs> NordVPN. I want to watch more things on Netflix than Netflix has. Yeah. NordVPN. NordVPN. I'm in Japan now. Oh, look. I can watch everything in Netflix now. <laughs> yeah. That's what people use it for. Pretty much. At any rate, thank you for yeah. joining us. This has been a fun podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's been uh, you, you have been a wonderful host, and this has been an absolute gas. I cannot wait to see what people say, but thank you, Mike. This is, and thank you for your own, and thank you, Goat. Of course. Yeah. All right. How do we end this thing? Uh, da dun 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 dun. Dead. <laughs> Todd Howard. Todd Howard. Todd Howard. <laughs> it just works. It doesn't.